welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 63rd episode, our guest is Ash Burgess. You first heard Ash Burgess on episodes 16, 26, 27, 39, and 58 of the podcast. Ash Burgess has a dusty degree in religious studies, an obsession with pineapples, and an appetite for both high and low culture. She cuts her own hair, bakes her own sourdough bread, and spends most of her time at home with her young son and, now, young daughter. Sometimes she blogs at burgessbaby.blogspot.com. Also, you may want to go back and listen to last week's episode for my recounting of the events discussed in this episode. And now, on to the show. Alright, well, welcome back to the Rob Burgess Show, Ash Burgess. Surprise, it's me again. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know where I left field. Yes. Um, so, the last time we talked, obviously, we were in the run-up to our daughter's birth. Okay. Okay. I'll get you some in a second, buddy. Our son is here, as you may have heard. Yes. Um, we have a, uh, a new member of the family joining us today on the outside. Yes. She's on the outside. I don't know if she'll be joining us on the podcast vocally, though. She's kind of looking pretty sleepy right now. That's okay. She's a very sleepy baby. She's much sleepier than our son was, which is an interesting experience. It's both, it's both thrilling and horrifying because mm-hmm. I... It's nice that she's resting and she's, I think, seeming to follow more typical patterns, which is really nice and giving us a little more breathing room as we, you know, adjust to having a new baby in the house. It's also horrifying because, you know, I'm a worrier, of course, and whenever she's asleep, I want to, you know, be checking to make sure she's still alive. I probably should have gotten one of those outlet monitors. Mm-hmm. I really want one, but they're so expensive, and I felt like I felt like I couldn't really justify the expense unless um, she had some sort of issue. And we've been really fortunate so far. It seems like she's very healthy, but you know what the outlet monitor is. It's a new thing that's come out since we had our son. It's um, and I'm not sponsored by them, by the way. <laughs> Although, are, Although, are you willing been, to yeah. be sponsored on your blog? I'm very open to it. It's it's like a little sock. And what's that address again? <laughs> Burgessbaby.blogspot.com? Yes, yes. And okay. the outlet, it's it's a little sock. It's similar to the idea of, like, the angel care monitor that's a breathing monitor. But that's a monitor that kind of goes under the crib mattress or something. But the outlet is like a little sock that monitors their breathing and everything. I you see. know, based on... I think it somehow can tell how much oxygen they're getting from, you know, through their skin, similar to when, if you, in a medical situation, that thing, they slip on your finger to mm-hmm. test your oxygen. I believe, no, I could be wrong, but I believe it does that, and also just what? movement and all Are that. Are you just saying stuff. that in case you mischaracterize their product? <laughs> I don't want to mischaracterize their product because I haven't, you know, I've just seen a few... Well, once we receive our free sample, then we'll be able to yeah. give general specifics. But anyway, my point being that, you know, whenever she's asleep, I'm, like, a little bit nervous that she's, like, not okay, but at the same time, it's like, I'm so glad she's sleeping... An appropriate amount. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But anyway, that's not really the topic we were going to get into today. So. That's true. That's true. Well, she is a week old today. Which I I cannot believe that. It seems like it's been a few days, but a whole week. You know, I can mm-hmm. hardly I can hardly believe it's been a whole week. Yeah. It's gone fast. Very fast. And I'm in deep mourning that you have to go back to work tomorrow yeah me too i'm i mean it's nice having you around of course but i also just am really not clear on 
how I'm gonna like hold down the fort at home without you. Yeah, well, we spent today a large part of today cleaning, or I did. You did, and, and yeah, no. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting in a routine with it at some point, though, because it's like this is going to have to happen. But at the same time, it does seem really sudden to yeah, like, try yeah. to adjust their, their life that much, especially when your hands are full all the time and you're by yourself and there's two people and you're outnumbered. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to start our new routine. It's just, you know. It's happening very fast. It's happening very fast and it'll be, I mean, our whole life is going to be so different in so many ways because in a lot of ways I feel like I finally had a good routine going for, you know, me and a toddler and so many of the things that I felt like I'd really finally had figured out for me and a toddler, I feel like are going to have to be totally different for me, a toddler, and an infant. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a little bit daunting, but exciting. I mean, obviously, we brought this upon ourselves. Sure. So. <laughs> um, but anyway, I started my episode, since you didn't listen to it yet, uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, by the time... Uh, well, you, you just want to pick up the story okay. from there. Well, let me first say... Since I have, you know, since addressing that I haven't listened to your episode yet, I have a good reason for not having listened to it yet, which is that I love when the same story is told by multiple people, because mm-hmm. I think you can get, you know, different insight into what different people are thinking, and everybody has, you know, slightly different details, and I didn't want to listen to your thing before we had this talk, because I didn't want all of my details to be, you know, maybe redacted by whatever details you recall in your episode. So I think it'll be more interesting this way. See, you know, how we each remembered some different things. Well, okay, so describe Tuesday night. Okay, well, I think to adequately describe Tuesday night, I have to kind of go back to the Friday before. Okay. Because that's when I would really say that my labor started. Mm-hmm. And not, like, my active, like, you know, drive to the hospital labor, but starting Friday afternoon, I was having just kind of... I guess you would call, like, a pre-labor, which was a pretty uncomfortable kind of escalating crampiness type of situation. And I had had been in that kind of a situation, so since Friday, so all the way through the weekend, I was becoming, you know, just progressively, you know, my labor, I would say, just started very slowly and very slowly escalated. Uh, our due date was Sunday. Our due date was Sunday, and we were really hoping that she would decide to come out sooner rather than later, um, because I was really wanting to have a V-back, and I felt like my chances for that were the best if I didn't go too far past my due date and if I just went spontaneously into labor, mm-hmm. which I was a little bit scared not knowing if that would happen because with our son... We had a scheduled C-section for some medical reasons, which we can get into, you know, later if we need to, but, um, so I hadn't ever actually labored with him, so I didn't really have any idea of what labor would be like for me, or even if I'm, you know, a person who maybe would go really overdue 
or not since we had um, we had him on his due date and I hadn't gone into labor at that point. So mm-hmm. I had no idea kind of going into this, you know, when my labor might get going. And so I was really hoping it would get going, but then it, when it did, it just started off so slowly. So it's the kind of thing where you're just escalatingly uncomfortable for a long time. Mm-hmm. I had been in this sort of pre-labor uncomfortable but not very productive contractions since Friday. And on Tuesday, I had a doctor's appointment scheduled for Tuesday morning, but I just had this feeling like I really didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think we would have had to have a C-section if we went? Not necessarily, but... Because um, it was already past our due date, though. It was. I, it's not that I thought they would whisk me away anywhere, necessarily, so much as just that I felt like I wanted to buy a little bit more time before we had to have a more serious conversation about should we schedule a repeat C-section or should we do an induction? Because I had a doctor who was potentially willing to do something of an induction for the VBAC, but um, there's, there's kind of less that most doctors will do or maybe could be safely done in that situation. So I was worried that not only I would, my, my big fear was that we'd have to try to do an induction and that the induction would fail either because, you know, a lot of inductions kind of don't go so well anyway, but additionally, because in my, you know, specific health circumstances that we wouldn't even have all the tools at our disposal to get my labor going so my fear was that we'd have a failed induction and it would be like a horrible experience and I'd be completely crushed and worn out from it and then end up having an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was just wanting to put off the conversation where we maybe would have to schedule that induction or decide if we were going to schedule for a C-section or whatever. And I just, I was feeling, I was just feeling a little pressure and I just kind of woke up on Tuesday morning feeling like I just really didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um... So I had canceled my appointment, and then instead of going to my appointment, I really wanted to just kind of spend the day with our family and have, like, a good time, even though I was actually feeling really terrible at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But we still had a pretty good day. We went out. We had coffee. We went to a splash pad with our son. Mm -hmm. We played. um, We did, like, a little bit of shopping. So... (laughs) So we had a really, a really fun day, even though I wasn't feeling good at all. Um, I would say I definitely was hoping that, you know, my labor was advancing because I was starting to feel a lot of like kind of pressure. Like I remember when we were on our way home in the car, I just couldn't get comfortable sitting. Like I felt like my like pregnant stomach was like, there was like pressing down too much like on the seat. Like I couldn't quite maneuver my legs the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So that probably should have been a sign to me that maybe the baby had dropped or something. But I was just kind of thinking, okay, I'm more pregnant at this point because I'd passed my due date, which I had not done previously. So I was like, well, I'm more pregnant than I've ever been before. Maybe this is just what it feels like to be enormously pregnant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Tuesday night, you wanted me to describe what happened Tuesday night. Um, I was just still feeling just slightly worse than I had felt over the last couple days, but 
I could see that you were getting escalatingly concerned that we should maybe think about calling the doctor or going to the hospital or something. Um, I think kind of the turning point was when, and I suppose this was nesting, I decided to like frame this picture that I put together and put it up in our room. And um, I was trying to hang the picture and I needed your help to hang it because I'm not very tall and you were like helping me get it, get it up there. And you were having me kind of hold it so you could use the level and kind of mark where we wanted the picture to go. And I was having a contraction and I remember telling you that I needed you to take the picture. And you were kind of like, hold on a second. And I was like, no, I'm going to drop this picture on you if you don't take it now. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, to me, that was kind of a turning point of like, I accepted at that point that maybe you were right that things were escalating. And I think you got, you know, maybe increasingly concerned at that point that we should probably really think that maybe I was actually in labor at this point. Mm. But honestly, I wasn't feeling that much worse at that point than I had for the last couple of days. And my, another big fear that I had was going to the hospital too soon. I really wanted to get to the hospital at a point where I was, you know, I think in our book, the ideal was that you would actually leave for the hospital when you're in transition. Mm-hmm. So, which for people that don't know is kind of when you're dilating to the point where you're really, you know, you're really getting close to the pushing stage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the ideal was that you kind of get to the hospital and then you're almost ready to push. And so you're not really there very long. And that was my ideal was that you arrive at the hospital and they're like, oh, good, you're, you know already there and then you know pretty soon you've pushed the baby out it's all kind of happened uh so i was kind of wanting to hold off but at the same time i was at that point having to agree with you that maybe things were happening so i took a shower and that didn't really slow anything down um i really wanted to we were having some tacos and i really wanted to eat the tacos so Mm -hmm. I made the tacos, um, and it took me a really, I remember it took me, like, a really long time to make them, because I was just, like, I had to keep stopping, Mm -hmm. um, because I was, like, starting to be in so much pain Mm -hmm. at various times. (laughs) Um, but we ate the tacos, and then finally I was like, okay, I guess I, you know, really better call the doctor, um... So I called the doctor and I kind of described, you know, what was going on. And they said, well, it's up to you if you want to come to the hospital now or just sort of try to stay home for a little while longer and see if you can get some rest. And if you find yourself, you know, things escalating and you can't get any rest, go ahead and come in. But otherwise, maybe you can, you know, wait a little while longer. So I decided to wait a little while longer. Um... We did make it through the night, which at that point, I was also really then thinking I'd like to make it through the night at home because um, I wasn't really excited to leave our son at night. I thought it would be better for him if we left kind of in the morning than if we left like right after he was going to bed or something. So um, I feel like this story is getting really kind of like dragging on. I don't know. Okay. So (laughs) that's fine. Uh, so, so we made it through the night, and Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. It was like clear to us. It that wasn't it was a very really restful night. No, I think I might have gotten an hour of sleep. I was just I was hurting so bad. Like, mm. I was in so much pain that I couldn't sleep, and I was just 
just kind of counting the hours until, you know, sunrise. And then, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, we better just get the car packed and go. Yeah. So we go and I think we went, and I think even the doctor said this about the, at the right time. I mean, because I remember we were walking into the building and it was definitely, we had to stop every few feet for a small rest. We did, but that's why I was so disappointed when they checked me. When we got to the kind of labor and delivery triage, they checked me and I was only like three centimeters dilated. Mm -hmm. I was really crushed at that point because I was hoping that I was much further along than that. Especially considering that at my previous doctor's appointment, which had been almost a week before then, I'd already been at like a two or something. And like I said before, I was hoping to arrive at the hospital almost ready to push. And I was feeling terrible enough that I was, like, thinking, you know, it would be nice if I've made some progress here. Mm-hmm. But they decided to keep us because I was obviously, you know, kind of in going into active labor. <laughs> yes. At that point, we've moved into, from the triage room into the OB delivery room. Yes, which I was really shocked how big that room was. Didn't you say, it, didn't the person giving us the tour say like 40, 50 people have been in there before? Yeah, they said that there have been people giving birth that have, you know, 40 or 50 people that come to mm-hmm. see them. And that's, I guess, only happened a few times. But so, I believe that that many people would fit in the room having been in there. I don't even really understand why the room's that big. Can you imagine having that many people watch you do that? Mommy. Are you okay with that? I wouldn't be. I mean, my mom actually, with my sister, had a home birth where she invited a large number of people, like probably 20 or 30 of my mom's really close friends, came to watch my sister being born. And for my mom, that was, I think she viewed it as a great experience because she shared that with so many people that were close to her. And she saw it as a wonderful opportunity to share the birth with a lot of people my mom's age and maybe a little older, even if they had children, maybe weren't able to be in the delivery room um, or didn't, you know, feel that, you know, I think, I think things have changed a lot even between when our parents were having us and now. So I think my mom saw it as a wonderful opportunity for people to be able to experience, you know, childbirth up close with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, to me, that would be really, really terrible. And I would never want to do that, um, just just for my personality. But I'm definitely a person who kind of goes inward mm-hmm. in times like that. I think some people draw strength from having, you know, a lot of people around them. And it's kind of, they draw strength from being social. And I think for me, I actually draw more strength from kind of receding into myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... I... You know, spoiler alert! I did mention a little bit on the on my on my podcast that um, that my my verbal helpings weren't very helpful. The, the ones that the book had uh, told me to uh, to give you. Well, I think it's just that I don't like um, I don't like kind of generalized compliments. Like, I and I and, and and I in my own life strive not to give generalized compliments, which I think sometimes leads to people thinking that I'm not very complimentary. But I try to be really specific, like, I think it's better to compliment someone on something that they very specifically are doing well, or even if someone's not doing something well, some feature of how they're facing a problem. I, like, and, that, and those are the kind of compliments I prefer to receive. So, like, for example, rather than someone saying you're doing well in a situation where maybe you're actually not doing well or you feel like you're not doing well... 
I might rather have them say like, you know, this is very difficult, but I know you're totally capable of getting through this. That to me would be something that would be more helpful. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't need you there though. Cause I definitely, I felt like I relied on you quite a bit, just maybe not in all the ways that you might've expected. Like maybe not so much verbally. Like I feel like I wasn't really very interested in having any sort of sounds around me. Yeah. Once my labor really got going. Like, and that's one of those things where planning ahead, I had thought that I might want some music to listen to. Um, and we'd prepared some music. I had some different music, um, some, some kind of more energetic music, some more kind of relaxing music, you know, that I thought maybe I would want to listen to. But I didn't want to listen to music at all. Like, the idea of listening to music seemed really appalling to me at that time. So I think it's more just, it's not so much that I didn't appreciate your verbal support as that just any sort of noises were really offensive to me at the time. Like, mm -hmm. I think just I was so focused kind of on what, on my, like, sensations and things that noises felt kind of, like, distracting and irritating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, whatever works for you, and you don't know necessarily what's going to work for you until you're in that situation. So. No, you totally don't. And I thought that was one interesting thing. There were a lot of things that I thought might work for me that, or I thought would be important for, you know, my birth plan or to fight for as far as, because I did a lot of research on, you know, how to have, you know, the best hospital birth that you can. And, you know, there were things that I totally didn't end up wanting like I remember being really worried about not being able to eat or drink anything and how you know I was gonna be so hungry and run out of strength to keep going but um we tried to eat Wednesday on the way into the hospital mm -hmm. I remember telling you I wasn't that interested in eating but then um you got me like a croissant and a lemonade from Starbucks and I was really happy when you actually got that for me. I thought that was a good idea, and I did drink a little bit, and I ate a little bit. But then, as soon as my contractions kind of got a little worse, I just, the idea of eating or drinking was totally repulsive to me. Which I think did get me into trouble a little bit later, when I think they started to get worried that I was dehydrating, because I had not wanted an IV, so I wasn't having, you know, IV fluids. Mm -hmm. And I remember the nurse kind of trying to encourage me to drink some water. She was like, she hasn't drunk anything the whole time you've been here. And I knew that I should drink. Mm -hmm. But I just felt that I couldn't. Like, the idea of drinking seemed so wrong to me. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I just couldn't drink, bring myself to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the same thing with moving around during labor. That's another thing that... People are always talking about the freedom to labor in different positions and moving around and bouncing on the birth ball and using like a squatting bar and just going from position to position. And so, of course, I imagined that I would want the freedom to move around. And of course, I'm glad I had the freedom to move around, but I really didn't want or to exercise. Women the in previous times, like strapped to the gurney the whole time? Yeah, and I'm like, in no way am I saying that would have been good. I'm just saying, like, I am happy that I had the freedom to choose my own position for the most part, but I'm just saying that I didn't feel a strong desire to, like, change positions the way that I imagined that I would. Like, I'd imagined that I would want to be, you know, changing to different positions to get more comfortable or something, and I really just kind of, once I found a position I liked, I kind of just wanted to stay in that position forever. Mm -hmm. But they, 
had the tub. Well, yeah, so I was, I loved that, the laboring in the whirlpool mm-hmm. tub, which I really want one of those whirlpool tubs for our, our house. Who doesn't? I mean, that thing was so good, though. I can only imagine how awesome that would be when, you know, not in terrible pain. Yeah, I only got to observe it, but it looked... It, it was, I mean, nice. I mean, I wasn't having, like, a fun time in there or anything, but it was really good, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, I would have loved to just stay in the tub. They had me keep getting out every so often to monitor me. Mm-hmm. Um which I found really annoying. Um, you would have just liked to have been in the tub until you were ready to do it? Yeah, I, I could have just stayed in that tub. Were they worried that you wouldn't get out in time and you would have it in the tub and then it would be a problem? Or I don't think, I mean, I think they would be, you know, that would be one worry they would have, but I think the main issue is that since I was having a VBAC, they want to monitor the baby extra because... The main concern with a VBAC is that your uterus will rupture. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most reliable warning signs is that if the baby goes into distress, maybe that's a sign that your uterus is rupturing. So they want to monitor you more mm-hmm. to see if the baby's going into distress. Which the doctor did warn us about. Before. Yes, I mean, I, we knew this yeah. was... We knew that we, this we was already warning. knew this, yes. yeah. But yeah, I'm just explaining for your to answer yeah. your question. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had to keep getting out of the tub to step on the monitors which I really hated not just getting out of the tub but I found just the feeling of the monitors like on my belly really uncomfortable but you could have given birth in the tub people that's how people do tub oh births, there yes right? there are people that do tub births so just in the water the kid is born is the doctor in the water with you I think they can be hmm. I mean either that you or feel they... differently about your doctor if you're gonna get in a tub with them <laughs> <laughs> maybe most, I think, most times I mean, in your medical life, uh, uh, all right, we're doing heart surgery, get in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would definitely be different. I mean, it's I'm different. sure they could also maybe reach over the edge, depending on... Over the edge, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They're, I'm, sure they're, I'm sure there's different <laughs> scenarios for how... Do they bring, the, they bring the person up right away? And... Yeah, they bring them up right away, although I think the baby doesn't really breathe until their skin hits the air. So I think something about the cold air touching them kind of mm-hmm. triggers them to breathe so that's why they don't take a breath you know right away when they're under the water so that's why it's like not a problem well anyway let's get back to the, the timeline here so it's you know it's wednesday afternoon now uh things are progressing very quickly well, that that's- was the interesting thing up until this point like i mentioned i was so disappointed when they we got there i wasn't that dilated i was like i've been in labor for days now and this is i was at that point feeling really disheartened because i was like imagining okay if it's taken this long to get this far i'm gonna be at the hospital for like a week (laughs) like this is you know i can't i and i was thinking i can't endure that long that's so bad but then things really began to speed up like they checked me a few hours later and i think i was already dilated to a five and they were kind of surprised that things were going that fast i wasn't surprised because um, my mom has always told me stories about her labors, and they always seemed like they had gone really fast for her. So mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised that things were finally going fast, but everyone else, I guess, was shocked. Yeah, well, I could see that things were speeding up, even from my vantage point. Like, I, I saw that you were, the look on your face was was changing. Like, it was like getting, <laughs> it was getting close. Yeah. So, then, you know... <laughs> Finally, they pull you out of the tub for the last time, and I did describe this moment on the last podcast, but what, what was your experience of the water breaking? Okay, well, 
it's interesting because we did talk about this, mm-hmm. and you said that there was a loud sound. Yes. And I don't remember there being a sound at all. I just remember the sensation. Mm-hmm. I'd gotten out of the tub because they actually had taken my temperature, and they said that I was using too much hot water in the tub, and that I was, like, starting to cook myself. And they were like, you need to cool down for a few minutes because if you start... I was, like, one degree away from running a fever, and if you start running a fever, they won't let you get back in the tub or something. Um, and I had been, in all honesty, just running straight hot water into the tub, which they had told me not to do. I did question you on that, but you were like, (laughs) turn it. Well, sometimes, um, you know, people can tell you not to do something, but I was, at that point, so desperate for relief that Mm -hmm. I just, I just felt like I needed the hot water, okay? But anyway, yeah, so they were like, you're kind of cooking yourself. You should cool off for a few minutes. And at that point, it was actually interesting. I think I actually have a better temperature barometer myself than I had previously suspected because I had had a moment prior to that where, you know, when you feel like you've suddenly gotten a little too hot, Mm -hmm. I definitely felt my body being like, you're a little too hot. You should cool off. So I actually wasn't that upset about, you know, cooling off for a few minutes out of the tub. Mm -hmm. But then... Suddenly, I just felt my water break. Like, it was just all at once, just like a huge gush. A lot more liquid than I had really expected. Do you and think I, you would have known it if you were in the tub? For sure. Like, there's no way that the sensation of that much water suddenly, or not water, whatever fluid, suddenly coming out of you is it's not something that you could miss. Which we had talked about um, maybe a night or two before when I was taking a bath. Mm-hmm. I remember because I'd gone in there and I wasn't, you know, I was having these, you know, mild contractions. I'd gone in there for some relief. And I remember you asking, you know, will you know if your water breaks? And I was kind of like, probably, I hope so. But now I definitely know. You would know if your water breaks. Mm-hmm. I, I, there was no mistaking that feeling. But I totally don't remember there being any sound at all. Mm-hmm. You said there was a loud sound. Yeah, so like a water balloon breaking. And see, I just remember feeling it just all rush out. And I remember I said, my water broke, and you were kind of like, yeah. Yeah, like, no kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, it was it was moving along very quickly at that point because your water broke, and then I think they didn't let you back in the tub after that, did Well, they? no, they said I could get back in the tub, but I didn't want to. I was just... You did get up, up off the bed. Well, I wanted to. I just wanted to change angles. Which is when I uh, called the okay, cavalry because, by accident. Well, well, okay. So, <laughs> I, at that point, after after my water broke, they said I could get back in the tub as long as everything mm-hmm. looked, you know, there was nothing weird coming, you know, nothing. It didn't look like there was any sort of, like, a problematic discharge or whatever. So, discharge is such an ugly word. I was looking for, like, something, you know. <laughs> That's technically uh, true. Technically accurate. Yeah, basically they said, yeah, you can get back in the tub because everything was looking fine. Mm-hmm. But I, at that point, just didn't even want to get back in the tub. I was just... My contractions, as soon as my water broke, I started feeling an urge to push. Mm. Um, like, really intensely. Um, and I think they checked me at that point and they said I was maybe like an eight or something. And then... Um, the nurse went out of the room. It was just us for, like, a few more minutes, I believe. And I kind of got, like, I kind of just wanted to get up. Like, I wanted to get, like, on the side of the bed and try sort of, like, leaning over. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's when, like, kind of a big bloody thing kind of, like, splashed. 
And that's when you pressed the panic button. I think you meant to just press the button to call the nurse, but instead you pressed, like, a larger, redder button, and suddenly, like, a team of, like, seven people that we'd not seen previously was, like, descended into the room. I was impressed with their response time. They got there really fast. Well, I think they know that time is of the essence if if things are really happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the button you're supposed to press if, like, you know, it looks like your wife has started convulsing or something. But... Sure. Yeah, but anyway, um... I'm sure they were relieved that it wasn't anything Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they were excited not to have to, like, do anything. (laughs) Um, But, uh, anyway, so that happened, and then you didn't get back in the tub, right? That was... No, I I didn't even want to get back in the tub. At that point, I was like... I think at that point, the nurse that had been with us this whole time, she'd been kind of in and out, which was actually interesting. I didn't really realize that you got to spend so much time laboring by yourself. Like... I feel like most of the time it was just you and me in this giant, giant, giant room. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say, like, the square footage of that room was? I feel yes. like it was bigger than our entire apartment. Definitely. It was huge, yeah. It had a bathroom that was pretty spacious, and it had the Whirlpool tub, and, yeah, it was it was giant, yeah. And they had a big flat-screen TV. I mean, Which, who's, like, watching TV while this is, like... Judge <laughs> I know, I just, I wonder, I mean, I guess... I'm not saying it would be wrong to be watching TV. I just don't know when we would have had time mm. to be, like, watching TV. Like, maybe if we were having a different know. labor experience. I mean, Maybe but, if, it, if it took, like, a day. Well, or I think like... not the way I was feeling. I didn't feel like watching TV. I, w- I was just thinking maybe, you know, if you were being induced and then I think sometimes there's a lot of waiting around for the contractions to get going. Maybe in that scenario. You know, I'm just saying... In a different, very different scenario, maybe. But in my scenario, we had no use for the giant flat screen TV. No. Um, but yeah, it was an enormous room and just the two of us for a lot of the time, just kind of in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I think, though, that the nurse at this point after my water broke could tell that I was like mm-hmm. just about to have the baby. Because she checked me and she said I was dilated to like nine and a half. But she still went ahead and called the doctor because she just knew she was well, she was like, you can just push past this basically like she knew like I was just like every time I had a contraction. I was just like having that like I had to push kind of I'm pushing the doctor arrives. He checks me and you know I find a position that I'm comfortable in and refuse to move into a different position and just kind of push her out. And I guess I didn't expect pushing to take very long, but apparently they were really surprised at how fast she came out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long. I, I don't really have a good sense of time from this. You know, I was kind of in an altered state of, like, not. I think the last time I was able to get out of the room to move the car, which was, like, probably the last conceivable time I could have left you alone that long, was about 2 o'clock. But I'm saying that... Um, so I, okay. Really, you were in pretty heavy, heavy labor. But you obviously felt comfortable at, like, 2 o'clock going to move the car. Yes, because you were in the tub. You and you didn't think I was going to give... Checked. I wasn't going to, like, have the baby. You were going to have I think the that's probably right when I was then. at, like, a 5. Sure. Because they probably checked me, and then you were like, okay, I'm going to quickly go move the car. I kind of could sense the window for me, like, getting out of the room anytime soon was closing. So anyway, like, the last time I felt comfortable enough to leave was, like, 2 o'clock. That was, I think, when I had just been checked, and I was at, yes. like, a 5. So I'd um, say from then for the next, obviously, until the birth happened. And the birth was, she came out at 4.41? 4, 41. 41, yes. 
So yes. it was almost three hours of like pretty heavy pushing. But so in those pushing, three hours, well, no, I wasn't pushing. Not pushing. Yeah, I wasn't pushing at all. Contractions. I mean, but I'm saying that in that. So that was that was in the three hours. That's when I transitioned from the five mm-hmm. to oh. nine and a half, almost ten, and then yep. pushing her out. Mm-hmm. So so that three hours contains my. You know, contracting and dilating, and then also however long I was pushing for. So I think was I pushing for maybe twenty minutes or something or yeah, less? It, wasn't, wasn't it that seemed long. like less to me. Wasn't that long? It seemed like ten minutes. I don't know. I th- I feel like I I feel like I only pushed like I don't know how many times I pushed, but I felt like I only seriously pushed mm-hmm. less than ten times, maybe like eight times at most. Right. Um. Because I just really, at that point, I really wanted her to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another thing where what I had expected was different than what I actually felt. Because I'd always thought the pushing would be maybe the hardest part. First of all, because obviously the idea of pushing out a baby, you know, they're so large compared to the small space they're coming out of, that sounds really painful. Mm-hmm. And that's what people always talk about. Oh, did you push the baby out? You know, that's so painful. You know, when people are like, like when people are like saying a man can never know what it's like to give birth, they always talk about, oh, you wouldn't know what it's like to push something this big out of the hole that small or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you sort of assume that that is the worst part. Mm-hmm. Additionally, I was really worried that I would be too worn out to push because, you know, that I'd been laboring for so long i was so tired even by the time we arrived at the hospital i was already just worn out so i was really worried that i would be tired and that it would be the most painful part but pushing felt great mm-hmm. like it felt not only was it it felt like a relief it kind of felt like like say when someone does counter pressure like if you're in pain and then someone presses on your back or something and that counter pressure relieves the pain you know what i'm talking about i don't mm-hmm. know if there's a better word for that no, I didn't count um, right. But that's exactly what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And it was the first thing that I'd done in a long time that really felt good and, like, productive and active. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was difficult. Like, it was hard work. But I felt like if I just really put all my strength into it, I could really make it happen. And apparently I did make it happen really quickly. Because, yeah, everyone was just shocked. You just kind of you flew right out. Yeah, there was, there was not much time to prepare once it was, like, happening. I mean, and I think the doctor arrived. They had me push it. They were, like, pushing a couple times. Yeah. And it was just, she was she was on her way out. I remember, you know, he said, there's the hair. And I remember I was excited because I didn't know how much hair she would have. She had hair right away. I saw it. That was the first thing I saw uh-huh. of her. And then, of course, you know, the rest of her head came out. And that was pretty amazing. And said, you know, after that, that everything kind of else just, you know, came out too. Because I mean, like you, I should mention, I couldn't see what was happening. I could, I even though I can remarkably, we have discussed a little bit about what you saw when she was coming out and what I felt. And remarkably, I think I had a pretty good idea of what was happening, despite not being able to see, because I was kind of turned around on my like kind of a forearms and knees type of leaning situation. So I was totally not, you know, seeing what was going on down at the end where she was coming out. I just sort of could feel this all happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, I was taking pictures the whole time, just as we did with our son. So it was interesting, though, um, 
the nurse said to me, she was like, your husband takes pictures of things I've never seen anyone take pictures of before. I think most people, when they photograph their wife in labor, they take more pictures of, like, her kind of, like, face and, like, head and body and sort of more, like, expressions. And you got, like, a lot of detail shots. I can see you grimace anytime. <laughs> I mean, you took pictures of things that you, you did manage to photograph things that I tried to we've fo- never seen before. And <laughs> you know, just... when when else? When else? Yeah, I, you know, I definitely never, have never. Maybe seen, I'll never see yeah. that again. And who knows? I've never had the opportunity to see that before. So. Yeah, no, I'm not faulting you. I'm just, I'm just noting. But anyway, yeah. So you're taking some pictures. I'm at this taking point. some pictures, and um, it's it's definitely happening. I before this, you know, and then minutes leading up to this, I could see the shape of your body changing and I could see things were like moving down. And well, I could feel as soon as my water broke, every time I had a contraction and every time I would have that urge to push and I was pushing, mm-hmm. not only was more water or I guess I'm referring to it as water, but it's obviously yeah, other material, amniotic fluid, I guess, and whatever yeah. else is floating around in there. Um, mm-hmm. Every time more of that would push out, but also like I could just feel the whole baby kind of moving more downwards like really amazingly like the amount of movement that happened in my stomach in just like a couple of contractions was pretty like exciting Mm -hmm. definitely yeah so she came out pretty quickly and uh you know they brought her over to me well and and that was the thing is that they were supposed to put her on me but um she pooped right when she came out so she had to be cleaned up because originally we were going to do we're going to do skin to skin where they put her on me but they couldn't because i don't think you would have wanted no i think well i think when you know poops involved they have to kind of wipe the poop off before they can but luckily she did that outside yeah yeah because i mean if she'd done it inside then it would be more concerning about you know if she had you know taken any into her lungs or whatever but this was just more like I didn't get to hold her right away because they were you know cleaning her off and everything Mm -hmm. which i mean i was a little bit disappointed by but I didn't get to hold our son right away either, so I was, you know, I was okay with it. I was with her. You were with her, and she did the same thing to you that she did to him. I mean, that our son did, where Mm -hmm. he, you know, and he grabbed your hand and held on to you. And I could see that from across the room, which was Mm -hmm. nice. I even have a picture of that. Oh, that's good. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Uh, she, do you want to describe how she looked when you first saw her? Like, what did you think? I was really surprised because I had actually, you know, of course speculated what will she look like. And I was assuming that she would probably just look like our son or, you know, maybe a little bit different. But for some reason, it hadn't actually occurred to me that she might just look just like me. Even though that seems like one of the more obvious possibilities. For some reason, I really hadn't thought that that would happen. And if, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, I've cloned myself, apparently. He looks very much like you, and I don't think that's even just because she's a girl. No, I mean, she has a very full head of dark hair. I'm not sure how curly it is yet, because, I mean, it's short. Right now, it's kind of in, like, a little faux hawk on top, which is super cute. I hope it stays that way forever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she has a full head of dark hair. Which, I mean, our son had a head of dark hair, too, when he was born, but it was a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a little bit lighter because I remember all his eyebrows and his eyelashes were clear and hers are already pigmented. Mm-hmm. That was a dark mm-hmm. Um, 
and she has she has fat cheeks mm-hmm. too, and I have very fat cheeks. So yeah, she just she she definitely has a strong resemblance towards me, mm-hmm. uh, which I was for some reason very surprised. Mm-hmm. I just I just didn't know that she would look so much like me. I was like, wow. Um, and I was very excited. She was pretty close to the weight that I'd been imagining she might be. I'd been thinking she would be around seven pounds, and she mm-hmm. was exactly seven pounds one ounce, which is kind of funny because our son was six pounds one ounce. It's funny that they were like exactly a pound different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could. I could, I mean, she measured bigger. She did. Well, she he was always too, though, right? with so. with my first pregnancy. I was always measuring. I think a week behind. Mm-hmm. And then with this pregnancy, I was kind of right on the money or maybe like half a week ahead. Mm-hmm. So I think that accounts for the difference in sizes. Although I was never worried she would be giant or anything because I suspect that we don't make like huge people. Yeah. But I got to cut the cord this time. That was exciting. How was that? Was it like super bloody or? I mean, I know they, they like they clamp it off before you cut it. Yes. Um... I, I guess, yeah, because it's a C-section, they just take everything out, right? So, I mean, they don't actually, like, let you cut it. Oh, you mean, out. oh, yeah, well, with the C-section, they cut it, and then they let you trim it. Yes. But that's not the same as you actually being the one to slice it But I'm saying I had done the, the trimming. Yeah, you had previously before. trimmed, and this time you'd cut, which, I mean, that's probably a good time to, we can segue into. I think our main topic, now that we've kind of gone through our timeline, mm-hmm. was we were going to talk about differences between the two kind of births that I've had because, you know, I've had two very different birth experiences that I can compare and contrast now. I've had one very medical, very planned, very structured experience, and I've had one non-medicated, spontaneous labor birth experience. Both of them in a hospital, but in two very different settings, you know, mm-hmm. or not, not different settings, but in the same setting, but two very different, um, scenarios. Is, is that what I'm, the word I'm looking for? You kind of narrowed your eyes at me. Are you trying to signal something? No. Okay. And you just made like a strange expression. <laughs> no one, no one will ever have to know what your face looks like on your podcast. Yeah. Your imaginations right. run wild. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you have had like both extremes and, you know, I think in a lot of ways, do you want to talk about the, the you know, fact that, of course, when, with the C-section, nobody does an unmedicated C-section. Well, I did actually see a story that somebody had reposted on Facebook recently. There was this woman, um, I believe she was a Mexican woman, um, and she had gone into labor, and I forget why she knew that she was having a problem, and she couldn't, she some, somehow she knew she was having a problem or things weren't going well or something and she knew she had to get the baby out. And she was, I don't remember why, but she was, I think, stranded by herself somewhere with just her other children. And she somehow managed to slice herself open safely deliver and safely deliver the baby before collapsing. And then one of her children was able to get help and they were able to, they were able to resuscitate her and both her and the baby made it. I, I don't remember where this story was from or how real this story was or anything, but I think that, yes, but in general, no one's going to, no one's, in, in general, no, no one's having a unmedicated um But I'm C-section. saying just by virtue of having a C-section, we're talking about a medicated situation. 
Yes. So there's the medicine, but there's also, um, I think there's a certain, in our situation, not only was it different from the second birth in that we had um, all the pain medicine and everything, but also in that the C-section was very planned, which not every C-section is planned. Some C-sections are an emergency and you might have labored and then you had to, you know, consent to a C-section and it all happens very quickly. And, you know, that's a different scenario. With ours, it was something where we knew going into it that it was going to happen. Um, and there were actually some really nice things about that. Um, mm. Like, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person that does best with, like, a planned kind of structured thing. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, even though the C-section was not my first choice, knowing that it was going to happen and having it be a very calm sort of thing, I think was actually really great in a lot of ways. And that was one thing about the um, natural labor that I think was really stressful for me. The lead up to it, not knowing, of course, when will you go into labor and then laboring and not knowing how long is it going to take the labor to progress? When will the baby finally be born? That was very stressful for me. Whereas the planned aspect of the C-section actually and comparatively was really great. Mm-hmm. Well, I had also like planned in my mind, you know, and probably not fairly, of course, because it's not a C-section this time, but I was like, and probably because we were able to plan on it being a certain time, I tried And because, to like, you yeah. know, he did come out on his mm-hmm. due date. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind, of, I kind of thought, oh, the due date, this is when it's happening, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even though I know that wasn't rational to think that, I still thought that, subconsciously at least, probably. No, I mean, because really the due date is just the date that's right in the middle of the window of time when the baby should be coming out. But the baby can be expected to make its appearance anytime, you know, within a couple of weeks on either side of that, I think, safely and normally. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. What, what else did you want to say about this? Um, okay, so, yeah, so we mentioned, you know, the aspect of, you know, planning that's kind of nice mm-hmm. in a way for the C-section. Um, I think as far as, you know, we can definitely talk about the difference between being medicated and not. I mean, there's a lot to say about that. Do you um, want to talk about your preferences and any... Yes, and how also maybe... in the moment as opposed to how you planned it? Yes, and also maybe how my thoughts on that changed with each birth. My thoughts on, you know, what would be ideal for me have changed and evolved. Um, before ever having given birth at all in, a, in any scenario, I wanted to have, you know, as quote-unquote natural. I hate, I'm going to use the word natural a lot here because it's the most accepted way to talk about kind of the umbrella of like the kind of birth experience that I was going for, mm-hmm. even though I really don't like that term because I think that it makes people that have an unnatural experience feel bad because unnatural sounds so you know harsh and like terrible. And also just natural, people put a lot of stock in the idea that natural is so good when... Sometimes, I mean, sometimes the natural thing is for the pregnant mother and or her child to not survive the birth. That's very natural. Mm -hmm. So I don't like using natural, but I'm going to use that term for lack of a better word to kind of, you know, describe what I'm talking about. So anyway, I had always been wanting to have a natural birth. Mm -hmm. I was very disappointed that, you know, circumstances led to us needing to schedule the Mm C-section. Um... And so I had always been planning on having 
an unmedicated you know, labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually seen an unmedicated labor and delivery in real life. As, as I mentioned before, my mom had a huge party and invited a bunch of people over. And, you know, I was included among the numbers, even though I was very young at the time. I was only seven mm-hmm. going on eight. Um, so to me, I you know, I'd seen that kind of thing that seemed like a preferable way to go. For all all of the, I'm not even going to detail all my reasons. I'll just say for all of the crunchiest reasons, <laughs> I wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really disappointed with this, having to have the C-section. Um, and then the recovery from the C-section was really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, because you've had a major abdominal surgery. And I think it's especially hard having had major surgery and trying to learn how to be a parent for the first time and having a newborn, it's, just, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And having, you know, some, we had a lot of breastfeeding issues kind of in the beginning, which some of which I think were probably because of having the C-section, but we can talk more about breastfeeding too, you know, mm-hmm. later if we want. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so that was my reasoning. I had all the crunchiest reasons for originally wanting a natural delivery. And then I had the C-section and I thought, you know, next time I really wanted to have a VBAC, partially because I had felt really robbed of an experience that I had been planning. Like I had been planning my whole life to have that experience of laboring and pushing out the baby. That was something that I'd honestly been looking forward to ever since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, cause this is, I mean, cause my mom is the type of person that was very interested in birth and we would, you know, talked about it openly in the home and everything. And like I said, you know, witnessed my sister being born. So it was just, it was a very big life experience that I've been looking forward to. And I felt like I had been denied. And so it was so important to me to have the VBAC. However, I will say that my thoughts on pain control had changed a little bit in that having had the spinal even though I didn't really like, I didn't really like kind of the recovery. I felt like it kind of messed my back up a little bit for a while. Um, it didn't seem as foreign and scary and off the table as it maybe would have before. Mm -hmm. So I think it definitely having that seemed like more something I would have maybe been willing to consider. Whereas before having had the C-section experience, it was just absolutely no. And afterwards I kind of realized that, you know, different situations, you kind of be flexible for different things. Mm-hmm. So, my main reasons for wanting the natural birth for the VBAC weren't so much all the crunchiest reasons like they were before, as just that I really wanted the VBAC, because like I said, I really, really looked forward to having the natural delivery experience, and um, I didn't want to do anything that would possibly compromise my chances, and anything that you can do as far as labor augmentation, so any sort of, you know, Pitocin or any drugs that they give you to get the labor going, or additionally any pain medicine they can give you, is going to increase the chances that you'll end up needing a C-section because, mm-hmm. you know, your labor can stall out or um, the baby can go into distress. For a variety of reasons, all those things, there's an increased chance of that with that. So those were my main reasons going into this birth that I wanted to go all natural. Mm-hmm. So I just, I wanted the V-back and that was my priority over anything else. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, are, are you glad that, that you did do it unmedicated this time? I am. I'm really proud of myself because... I mean, it was it was one of those things where I had a goal and I wasn't... There were times... 
along the way when I really doubted that I was going to make my goal, and I did. Mm-hmm. And I definitely credit you for helping me to get there. I wasn't fishing for a compliment. No, but it's, no but it's true because by the time we were even headed to the hospital, I was honestly thinking in my mind, you know, if this doesn't wrap up soon, I'm going to have to get an epidural because this mm-hmm. is hurting so much and I was so tired. That was the thing is that I had been so uncomfortable for so many days. I was so tired that I just didn't know if I had the strength to endure the pain for that much longer, especially as the pain was escalating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really trying to hold out and be like, okay, you know, this could, you know, maybe go for a little while longer, go for a little while longer. I can get through this. Mm-hmm. And because for me, it's so much easier if I know how much more I have to do. You know, if someone told me, okay, you need to do three more hours. I think that would be easier than just being like, well, now you're a five and, you know, <laughs> you know, there's no telling how long it's going to take you to get to 10. Um, yeah, you did keep asking the doctor and the nurse, like, questions that I could tell that they didn't have, like, a, a solid answer for. <laughs> like, like what? You're just like, how much longer is this going to keep happening? Like, you definitely wanted a timetable for how much longer you could expect for this to, well, you know. Because for me, that's so much, like, like I said before, I'm such a planner. For me, just knowing the plan, sticking to the plan, is how I do things. And so having to just be like, for an indeterminate amount of time, you're going to be in a pain so much worse than anything else you've ever experienced is not, it's hard for me to deal with. But I think at least on the upside, it was at least obvious to me that we weren't going to be there that much longer. And And see, to me, very quickly. To me, that wasn't that clear because my, my sense of time, like, I feel like here's an interesting thing related to what we're saying right now. My sense of time, I felt like I wasn't able to really keep track of time very well once I really got into my labor. And that's something that I would have expected that with the C-section, I had I was on so many drugs with X. I mean, I had a spinal, and I know in addition to whatever they did for the pain, you know, they give you, you know, things for, like, anti-nausea, and they also give you, you know various things and I know they gave me like a shot of some kind of a morphine type of thing right after the delivery and like all you know I don't even know all the things that they were like pumping in there um I would have thought that that would be the labor experience that I would say was the foggiest Mm -hmm. but my memory of the c-section is so very clear like that's one of the sharpest clearest days of my life like thinking back like I can moment to moment tell you pretty much what was happening for, like, most of that day. Like, very, like, one of the sharper things that I can recall. Whereas, honestly, the natural birth experience, so foggy. Mm -hmm. I think just because, like I was saying before, I'm a person who kind of goes inwards. And I think going inwards, I kind of receded from, like, an awareness of what was going on. So it's like, I was really just so focused on just my feelings and sensations and getting through them that my sense of time, how much time had passed, what was happening, what things sounded like, what things looked like, is extremely diminished for a, lo- a large portion of the labor. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's, that's a big difference between the two. That was an unexpected difference. Because you would assume, I think going into it, I would have assumed, you know... A C-section or a highly medicated birth is going to be the birth that you 
don't have a sharp memory of. And then I would assume, you know, you're going all natural, so of course you remember everything. I will say I think I remember the pain. And that's one thing that I think some people have tried to tell me, like, oh, you forget the pain. And maybe I, maybe it's just that, you know, it was pretty recent. Maybe those memories will fade. But, like, right now I feel like I remember the pain pretty acutely. Um. Yeah. I was sort of thought you would have had more of an out-of-body experience, maybe, if the pain became too great and your body, like, kind of goes into self-protective shock or something. But I think my self-protective mode, rather than having an out-of-body experience, that was almost like an like an in-body experience. Like, I feel like I went, like, further into my body than I've ever been before. Like, so far in that I was, like, no longer bothered by, like, outside stimulus and, like, was only focused on what was happening to me, almost. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's why you weren't accepting constructive compliments <laughs> that day. Maybe. Well, because, like I said, it was not even so much that the compliments were not that helpful as that I just literally didn't really need anyone to speak to me. <laughs> yes you know what else is a cliche I love you <laughs> <laughs> well but I believe that you genuinely love me so that I would accept as a genuine like not compliment but as a genuine statement okay. that statement to me has more value because mm -hmm. I have found that to be true if I, did, if I suspected you actually didn't love me then I wouldn't find very much value in that statement I also didn't read a book that told me to say that. Yes. Well. Anyway. But yeah, speaking of which, I'm. We did read. You know, we did do some preparation for the. Um, not probably as much preparation as we should have. We didn't like take a class or anything, but we did have some books. We did that we last perused. time. Though. I mean, we already took the new baby classes. No, but I mean, like a specific. This time we got a book in like. Like a husband, coach, childbirth type of, you know, how to have your natural delivery. And yeah, I definitely skimmed that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we, I mean, I read it a few times and we practiced a little bit. We definitely didn't do it hardcore. So I can't really, I didn't find a lot of their techniques to be helpful or something I was able to employ, but I can't really blame them because I don't think we had committed to the program as well as we were supposed to, like in advance. Here's a side question that does relate, but you won't think it will first. Okay. Are you someone that can't be hypnotized? I don't know if anyone's ever tried to hypnotize me, but... You strike I, me as the type of person that, you know, there's a certain percentage uh -huh. of the population yeah. that it's impossible for a hypnotist to hypnotize. It's possible, yes. I have a feeling that you're one of those people. Because well, I feel like the people, the target audience of the books we read were people that uh, were, were going to be put into some sort of hypnosis... Not hypnosis, that's too strong a word, but some sort of trance You kind of relax, state. relax, you relax. You concentrate then... on places that you needed to be relaxed, and you concentrate on releasing the tension very focusedly. Meditative, meditative. But I do I think that some of that could have been valuable to me if I had practiced more and was ready to do it, maybe. Because I did find one thing that you reminded me to do that I found extremely helpful mm -hmm. was... Um, that you kept reminding me to slow my breathing down and to take deep breaths. Because I feel like when I was really in a lot of pain, I would kind of get into a trap sometimes of taking like quick shallow breaths. Mm -hmm. Even though taking those deep breaths and really, you know, in and out was actually really helpful when I was able to like focus and make myself do that. And I did do some creative visualization 
while I was laboring. It just mm -hmm. wasn't really creative visualization that we had planned. Mm -hmm. But this is also kind of like during our wedding when you just quickly did your hair in five minutes. So. Okay, well that was that was okay. I there's no way there's no way to explain that story that doesn't make me sound like a lunatic. It looked good. Just, okay, just due to circumstances, <laughs> I had to quickly do my hair. I'm just saying. Just, I'm just saying. Know, there are, there are certain. It's not cutting corners because I would say it like still came out the way it needed to. But it's definitely like doing things on the fly, like it, it in like certain circumstances. Well, I think that there's a combination of two factors at work here. One is that I think I was raised to think that I can do things myself that maybe other people assume that they should have someone else do for them. Mm -hmm. um, and two, even beyond how I was raised to be, because I was raised to be more of a communal person, I think just my own internal nature is to do things myself. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, there's things that I think maybe other people don't try doing themselves because like, when confronted with them, maybe it doesn't occur to them, I could just do this. Whereas I'm kind of like, well, I guess I could try to do this. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, the hair thing was kind of an emergency and it wasn't, like, ideal. But, it, like, it worked out okay. It good. Yeah. But anyway, going back on, going back on the topic. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, I did do some creative visualization, but it wasn't actually the visualization that we practiced. Because I think in the book that we were practicing with, you're supposed to kind of... It's about, you know, relaxing the areas of your body and all that, which I tried to do a little bit, but I didn't really find that to be working for me because honestly, I just felt super, super tense, mm -hmm. which is probably not a good way to labor, but, um, mm -hmm. but, um, I did do some visualization that kind of was more of a throwback to my childhood. My mom has always taught me to do visualization involving colors mm -hmm. and, um, and it's only just now occurring to me that there's an obvious reason that I picked this color. Obvious beyond, you know, so obvious that I should have thought of this at the time, but it totally didn't occur to me. But anyway, I was thinking a lot about the color green, like a nice, soothing, healing color of green. And it totally didn't occur to me that there was any reason beyond the fact that that's like this color that I associate with like a nice, soothing, healing. Well, before we get to that, but, I haven't revealed our daughter's yeah. name on the podcast yet. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, it, I did direct them to the video that you made, so okay. maybe some people have seen okay, it. Okay, well maybe we shouldn't reveal it, so then people can be intrigued and go look at the video. If you need to put to it know. on your yeah, I need to put it up on my blog, blog so people can find it. But yeah, um, I will do that before you put this out, so people can go to my blog, and there's going to be a link to the video. You can find out what her name is and why it should have occurred to me that there was a reason I was thinking about that color so much. Yes. But anyway, um, so I did do some visualization, but that was more of like a throwback to like my like hippie childhood and not so much the visualization that I would have assumed I would do. And mm -hmm. I honestly prayed a little bit too, just to kind of get myself through, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, there's times when you really just, for me going inward and really just kind of, you know, in my mind, mm -hmm. which it's interesting. I'm talking a lot about going into my mind when we're talking about such a very physical experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Physically, it was really different than I sort of thought it would be mm -hmm. in that I think I kind of imagined that there would be a cookie monster. Of a cookie monster. Um, I, physically, the, the natural labor was different than I thought it would be in that I imagined sort of more of a break between the contractions. 
Um, like I like I kind of thought, yes, they'll be closer together, but I still thought it would be more, you know, contraction and then enough time to like catch your breath, another contraction. And I honestly, towards the end there, I honestly didn't feel like there was any space between the contractions. Like I know there was because like I know like the nurse was saying, okay, another one's coming, you know, you know, she was, you know, kind of giving me some instructions to kind of get through some of them like towards the end there. But, um, to me, it just felt sort of like, think of like a small boat that's like caught in a storm and it's being like the waves are like crashing up against like the rocks against like a rocky, like cliff embankment or something. Um, it kind of felt like that. Like it didn't feel like there was any break between the contractions, the contractions of the waves that are like crushing the boat against the rocks. And of course I'm the boat mm-hmm. and the rocks would be, you know, the pain or whatever. I didn't feel like there was any break. It felt like, you know, I was kind of caught in a storm. Mm-hmm. And that was more, that was kind of a more intense than I expected. Cause I expected it to be very, very painful, but in more of a way that wasn't so like overwhelming, I guess. Yeah, that well, that was the, what the breathing was supposed to be about. You're supposed to breathe with your body and not against it. Like, and that was very helpful. Panting and like obviously that's what your body wants to do. And, and holding your breath or like straining is not that's not the way to get through it. It's going to make it worse. And the breathing was very helpful, but I guess I had thought that I would be more like wanting to change positions. But I honestly felt like every time I would change positions. I felt like somehow another contraction would start. Like, I almost felt like any movement that I made would bring the contraction on. Mm-hmm. Like, there were a few times when I wanted to get into a different position. But once I was in a different position that I liked, I just kind of wanted to stay in that position. I didn't really think, like, oh, now I, I sort of more imagined myself kind of trying different things. And I didn't really feel very experimental. <laughs> well, I think, you know, <laughs> since you did mention the position you were in when it happened, that's not... What I technically think of as a birthing position, but that doesn't mean it's like... That's actually a very common birthing yeah. position, though, and it's actually... That position's actually better than the typical position we think of. We were working against gravity, though. Yeah, with the kind of the American hospital labor, we think of these sort of, like, on-your-back position, and that's not really good for you or the baby. No. It's better. The position I was in is actually better gravity-wise. Mm-hmm. But the idea of... Because like, when it, she came out, it was just like came down you know it's like yeah i'm sure that helped with her coming yeah. out so oh, fast. absolutely and that position at that time that position was the only position that felt right to me mm-hmm. so i'm sure my body was just telling me that that's how i needed to go like i'm sure even if i hadn't been at the hospital you know if we were just alone in our house i i think i probably would have just hunched into that position when it was time to push her out mm-hmm. like it just felt right even though the nurse had kind of suggested that position a little bit earlier when when i had had to get out of the tub and you were doing the counter pressure on my back which felt really good mm-hmm um, so I had been in that position that had been suggested, but then, um, I kind of got back into that position again when it was time to push. And I think they were hoping I would like flip over and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I did, that was what I was asking. Cause they didn't seem to, that wasn't their first choice. No, that wasn't their first choice because, well, the nurse was like, well, the doctor, is pretty traditional. He likes it better if you, you know, turn around. And I was just like, I think what I said was too bad. And I just, like, didn't move. Cause, and I think that's one of those moments where I think, you know, you have to advocate for yourself. And I knew that that was the right position for me, and I wasn't moving. Mm-hmm. And they didn't argue with me. Like, once, I think they could tell that I was felt very committed. So they didn't, like, say anything else or try to get me to, like, move. They were just kind of like, okay. <laughs> like, 
Well, and then she was sunny side up, right? Yeah, and that's why they had such a horrible, painful labor. Because that's why, you know, if you hear people talk about back labor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... I don't know if that's why my labor last, the early part, went on for so long. But I know that's why, for me, it was just... That's why it was so horribly painful and and why I felt the pain in my back. Because I think a lot of people, I guess, feel more of the labor pain, you know, kind of in front. Which I guess is supposedly slightly less painful, although I imagine it's still very painful. Um, but for me, it was mostly in my back and it was really, really painful. But thinking ahead, again... Now that you've done both, what what, you, what 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 are your hopes and desires if you had like this to do over again for a third time? Like now that you've done these two, I don't know. I mean, I'm actually even though I was originally disappointed in the C-section, and I would not want to have an, another one, I'm actually happy that I've had two such contrasting experiences now, mm-hmm. and I think that that's allowed me to kind of go to a more middle ground in that. I would consider a more middle ground as far as I might go for some pain medicine or something next time. I don't know. I mean, like I said, my main reason for at this time wanting to go all natural was just, you know, my goal to have the VBAC. And Mm -hmm. even though it's still considered a VBAC, if you have a second VBAC, I think it's a little bit easier to achieve because I feel like with the first VBAC, they're very cautious and they don't even consider it like when you're booking into the hospital they they say you're there for your trial of labor so it's basically like we're going to just try this and see if you can do it and it's ba- it's so like undermining of your confidence to be like trial of labor because it's like they're it, it's really setting you up for um the possibility that this is not going to work out and they don't, it's like, well, we don't even know if, you know, this is something that you, you're capable of. It might not happen for you, but you feel like. And that's even, and that's even from the situation where, I mean, we had, had to really search to find, you know, medical providers that we thought were going to give us for, for, for our area and, you know, having the hospital birth the best chance that we could at the VBAC. And it still is just this very, like, proceed with caution type situation. And I think a second VBAC... They're still going to monitor you more closely, but they know you're capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. They know that you can push the baby out. They know that, you know, your uterus didn't rupture the first time, so hopefully that's a good sign that it's not going to rupture the next time. They know that the baby's not going to, like, get stuck in your pelvis or something. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that... I think they're going to give you a little bit more of an opportunity to succeed at a second back, mm-hmm. which makes me think I might think about using that wiggle room to get some pain medicine because I don't think that like I think that there are good medical reasons why it might be preferable to have a natural labor and delivery but I don't think that there are moral reasons like I don't believe that morally a woman needs to be subjected to that much pain I mean science you know exists to help us you know, even because even if you think, you know, naturally you're made to experience this much pain, so you should do it. I mean, humans naturally 
have the ability to, you know, gain scientific knowledge. Mm. And part of that ability is to seek ways to better our lives and to comfort ourselves. And one of those things is to, you know, remedy excruciatingly painful situations. Mm. So I don't think there's anything like inherently wrong with seeking some relief. And I would maybe look into my options. There was one option, which I didn't explore this time that I thought was very interesting though. Um, apparently the hospital we delivered at had um, nitrous available. I hadn't heard of that before either. I had heard of it before in like reading, but I had heard of it as something that wasn't widely available. And I think maybe now it's spreading. Also, mm-hmm. I think our hospital, I mean, we delivered in like a pretty posh kind of an area. So I think maybe they have some kind of things that maybe aren't at like all the hospitals in the state or whatever. They have mm-hmm. some, you know, fancy smanchy, whatever. Um, well, you know what I mean? Sometimes when you're in, like, a nicer hospital sure. in a nicer area, they have more to offer you. Mm-hmm. Also, there are a lot of hospitals in this area, so I assume the hospitals try to have more to offer to kind of lure in clients. Right. You know, because there were probably four different hospitals. That I mean, we in. live almost next to a medical park, so, I mean. Yeah, but I'm saying there's probably. area. There's probably four different hospitals that, depending on, you know, which doctors we'd gone with, we could have gone to. So, mm-hmm. I think that maybe the hospitals have to try to be more attractive mm-hmm. to lure people in. And that's that probably right. one of the reasons why they were like, now we're offering nitrous. Which, although I've heard, unfortunately, that it makes a lot of women really nauseous, so mm-hmm. then they end up not liking it or something. Hmm. But I thought it was, you know, an interesting option. I don't know if I would do that specifically, but I might explore something like that. Or even, I'm glad I didn't get the epidural because having had a spinal, even though I loved not being in pain and everything during my C-section, I hated how my back felt afterwards. Like, I felt like it was a long time before I could really lay comfortably on my back. Mm and there's a lot of risks with that and everything, so I'm glad I didn't do it. But at the same time, I might consider it. I'm not going to say I definitely wouldn't or would. Mm-hmm. How did you feel that, I mean, because if uh, I recorded all the way through, we left the hospital uh, on Friday, so. Okay, well, we can get back onto the onto the timeline. No, I just, I, we wanted to tell the same story from the Yeah, I just, I didn't know where your, I didn't know if your timeline ended with her coming out or. No, no, I went until Friday. Oh, okay. Was, well, there, was there anything else about the birth that you wanted to say, like comparing or. I guess so. I mean, because obviously, okay, with the C-section, <laughs> I didn't have any pain in advance, you know. Mm-hmm. We went in, in early in the morning. It was very calm, you know. They pumped a bunch of different stuff into me. They mm-hmm. poked at me to make sure that I wasn't going to feel it before they started cutting. Um, so it was mostly just, you know, I was nervous and excited. Mm-hmm. But with the C-section, the pain doesn't really start until afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the pain can be pretty bad. Not as bad as the pain of labor. Well, it's major surgery. But worse than the pain of recovering from... You know, mm-hmm. the vaginal delivery. Um, so, yeah, with the C-section, it was, like, after the really hard drugs start to wear off, you really start to feel, like, my... And it was a few days, honestly. Like, honestly... Let's see, we had the C-section on a Saturday. I remember on Sunday, I was feeling, like, surprisingly well. Sunday was the day we had a bunch of visitors... And I remember I was up and about, and everyone was, like, surprised. Oh, you look so great, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling great, you know, because I was, you know, obviously on a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But, 
Yeah. But still, you know, surprisingly, I felt surprisingly ambulatory. It was really like Monday that I felt so bad and just, you know, and then for like a few weeks after that, I just felt truly awful. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with this, that was the really nice thing with, you know, I was in so much pain and the pushing, I was still in so much pain, but the pushing, as I mentioned, also felt good, even though I was also still in pain. But then the moment she was out, the contractions just were pretty much over and I just felt amazing. Like I felt so good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a combination of relief that you're finally not hurting anymore and whatever re- rush of hormones you have when, you know, you know that you've birthed your baby and just the excitement of, you know, success. But mm-hmm. I felt so good. I felt like a powerful wild animal. It was really exciting. <laughs> like, I really did feel like I could just... I felt like at that moment, if I had had any other goals in mind and had said, I can do this, I would have felt like, yes, I can do that. Like, I would have had no doubt that any other goal that I had set for myself in that moment. I Like, I almost wish I had had a goal ready to kind of tell myself, all right, you're committing to this. Because in that moment, there was nothing. There was no daunted, like, oh, you can't do that or it will be difficult or whatever. I just felt like I can do anything. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt so good. And that almost made the whole, you know, the horribleness of the pain and everything worthwhile. That that was probably the greatest rush I've ever experienced. Um, Which, I mean, and that's very different than the C-section. Because with the C-section, it's more just, you know... You're laying there, and then finally they, you know, lift up the baby, and it's really exciting to see the baby for the first time. But you really don't have the feeling of the same feeling of accomplishment mm-hmm. is kind of taken from you. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so so yeah, so getting back to the timeline, um, there's a lot of like, kind of down and dirty details, you know, after after the after the baby comes out. <laughs> I don't know how much you wanted to say. <laughs> I don't really want to like say too much, but I mean people know that it's it's a disaster scene. I mean I was actually here's a surprising thing. I was surprised at the size of the there was like a table of instruments they brought in for the doctor to do the like you know after repairs i felt like that was like a really like a lot of instruments yeah i don't think he used almost, i mean he pretty much just used whatever it was that he used for like the sewing and like a few other things but it seemed like there was a lot of like various tools available he was ready i was glad he was prepared yeah but i don't know what he was gonna do with like a lot of those things unfortunately i guess we didn't have to find out but yeah they brought in like a table of like a million different medical instruments and then they had to you know the afterbirth has to come out and they asked us who were saving it we saved the placenta um the first time around we kept the placenta. We took it home with us. And it was actually interesting. An interesting difference is that the, we did have these deliveries at two different hospitals, although I think pretty comparable and in the same area, like pretty comparable as far as like how nice they are and their ratings of, you know, how much people like them and everything. Um, the first time we kept the placenta and it seemed like everyone thought it was this really weird thing. Mm-hmm. Like we, cause we had asked the doctor about it in advance and they're like, sure. And then, you know, they told us we had to get our own container, but it had to be a sterile container from the pharmacy. And I remember we went to a bunch of pharmacies trying to find a container, and the pharmacy was like, we have no idea. We don't really sell any large sterile containers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, how about like a styrofoam cooler? <laughs> and then finally, I think, I think finally the hospital ended up just telling us they would give us a container. Because yeah. we were like, we just, we don't know what we're going to put this in. But yeah, the first time... We, we kept the we kept the placenta and they acted like it was super weird. This time we didn't keep it because we felt like we'd already kind of been on that journey and we didn't, just didn't really feel the need to do it again. Um, and but this time they asked us like without us asking they just asked us are you keeping the pl-? you know so I thought that was an interesting difference yeah um, but we didn't want to keep it I just I just asked that I want you to take a picture of it because I want to know what it yeah, looked I'm like yeah I'm glad you reminded me but I am glad that we did that the first time. yeah no that was very interesting I just and I know some people I know for some people having the placenta and whatever they do with it is a really important part but for me doing something with the placenta once was enough oh yeah absolutely i'm glad i I have that checked i checked it off i think it might be different if we weren't um if we had like our own like land because i know some people will like bury it and plant a tree or something and Mm. you know you know why not but we live in an apartment so (laughs) i really don't care about any of these (laughs) i really don't like any of them enough to like donate my you know fleshy parts to them or whatever yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, there was a lot of, you know, repairs afterwards and that part was kind of, you know, that's probably the most lackluster part of birth is, you know, just kind of getting stitched up. That's still interesting to me. Like that was, so... it was interesting to me too, because I was kind of, you know, wanting to, you know, without being able to see what was, I mean, at this point I had turned over. So I was like, you know, talking with the doctor as he was doing his repairs, but I was still, you know, obviously couldn't see what was happening down in that region. So I was definitely kind of, you know, I definitely asked him, like, how, how bad is it, you know? <laughs> um. But, um. But, you know, finally getting to hold the baby was obviously a highlight of the kind of post, mm-hmm. post pushing her out situation. Um. And then, um, like, they left us just, did they leave us, like, alone for, like, an hour? Mm Mm-hmm. Roughly. Yeah, which I think, I mean, that's nice, because, I mean, we did say we wanted, you know, bonding time. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had delayed some of the things that they do right after birth. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice, just to kind of be there and hold her and, you know, breastfeed for the first time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, we're just suddenly being wheeled to our, you know, recovery room, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you because I did record two <laughs> times after the birth mm-hmm. was that, um, you know, what were the differences between the two hospitals? I thought the food was much better at this point. Yeah, there were a lot of differences. Like I said, um, these are two large hospitals very close to each other, considered to be, I think, pretty comparable. Like, um, I'm in, like, a mom's group, and a lot of times people, when they have a choice, will be asking, you know, which hospital should I go to of these two? So these are very, these are very comparable hospitals, and there's a pretty split. Like a lot of people love the first hospital we were at. Um, a lot of people love the second hospital we were at. Um, the second hospital, 
I actually liked better. Mm. It's hard to say if some of that is because a lot of my hospital experience that I'm referring to when I say I liked it better, I think they were both fine from a medical standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. But um, as far as recovering in the hospital, I much more enjoyed my stay the second time. Some of that, though, might be because the first time I was recovering from a C-section. So I was in a lot more pain once the pain set in. Whereas with the vaginal birth, um, the pain set in more quickly, but was definitely a lot less. Um, and then also, I think, you know, we were in the hospital longer the first time and that kind of, you know, I was really wanting to get home. Although this time I was also really wanting to get home because we have, you know, another child that I was, you know, um, but I felt like the food was so much better the first time. I honestly felt like the food at the first hospital I had been told was good. And I guess, you know, different people have different ideas about what good is. But I felt like the food was so bad that, like, I didn't want to eat it. And I felt like I was actually, I felt like my recovery was impeded by, like, the unhealthy foods that I was eating. Whereas the second time, it was a little hit and miss, but I had some actually really delicious things. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so I felt like the food was really good. Um, perhaps just incidentally, I liked all the nurses at this hospital, whereas the first hospital, I liked 95% of the nurses, but there were one or two that really rubbed me the wrong way. Can you push the sofa back closer to the window? Push it, like, push it up against... I'm afraid he's going to fall in. Honey, it's not safe for you to climb up there. Do you want to watch something different? What do you want to see? Do you want to see Fox movie? No. No. What do you want to see? No. Do you want to see Secret Life of Pets? No. Do you want to find see Thomas? No. Cat in the Hat. No. What do you want to see? Tell me. See. What I want to see. See. You want to see minions? I want to see minions. You want to see a B-movie? No. Not B-movie. No. Not B-movie. I think that movie. Um, but, okay, another big difference, our room was a lot smaller this time, mm-hmm. which was interesting because our, the laboring room that, you know, that we delivered in was so big, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. and then... The recovering room was, like, tiny, although it was still a private room, which is nice. I know some hospitals you have to share with someone else, which I can't even imagine. Like, to me, that seems... Sounds horrible. That sounds unacceptable. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't possibly imagine doing that. Um, But anyway, it was a lot smaller than the first hospital's recovery room. And just in general, I felt, like, pretty small. Like, the first hospital, I think, had, like, a pull-out couch, like, sofa bed type of situation Mm -hmm. for you. And almost, like, a second little room. 
Whereas this hospital, it was kind of like a window seat that I'm not even sure was as long as you. Mm-hmm. For for the you know if you have a partner that's you know going to sleep in the hospital with you. Not very accommodating. <laughs> no, it kind of reminded me of the office when Michael Scott is living with Jan and. He has, there's like a, like a, like an ottoman, or what's the name of that type of kind of little bench that goes to the foot of a bed? Yeah. I don't know. Ottoman's the wrong word, but one of those little yeah. benches that you put at the end of a bed and mm-hmm. he says Jan likes the whole bed to herself. So that's, he sleeps on the, it kind of reminded me of that just cause you know, we've watched the office way too much. So everything reminds me of that. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so it was kind of a very small, small, not too comfortable looking space. Mm-hmm. Um, for you to sleep. If you went into a tight fetal position, I think would be perfect. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, though, even though the room was smaller, I actually liked the room because mm-hmm. the first room, I say the first room, I'm referring to the room that we stayed in at the first hospital that I delivered at with my first birth, mm-hmm. was very oddly shaped. Like it was very like octagonal or something. And mm. even though it was pretty big, I always Dad, felt like strangely disoriented. Like something about the layout of the room made me feel mm. strangely disoriented. Mm. Whereas this room was kind of a more traditional square and rectangle type of style, which actually I felt more comfortable even though it was smaller. Mm. Um, and, and otherwise pretty comparable and both had, you know, nice big windows, both had, you know, decent sized bathrooms both had like a little mini fridge both had like a giant tv that we didn't use um Mm -hmm. i feel like maybe just and and i'm a person who loves watching movies and netflix and stuff but i think that my need to have a giant tv is maybe less than a lot of people's because i feel like a lot of people like need to have the giant tv everywhere they go and like in a lot in like this type of situation it's like who has time to have a giant tv (laughs) I don't know when you're supposed to be watching this. I mean, there were there were some times, you know, while I was in the hospital recovering, when I had some downtime, when I guess I could have turned on the TV, mm-hmm. but I just felt like between just kind of getting to know the baby and just my own thoughts and feelings, I, just, you, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you also didn't have any music playing. True. I mean, and maybe if first, I wanted so. some visual, maybe for some people having that visual stimulus would be what they need. I can think of many times when I've like just cranked music first thing in the morning and you're like, it's a little early, don't you think? (laughs) See, you're making me sound like someone that doesn't appreciate the general spirit of music and that's not true. I love music. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I do. Yeah. I love music, just not all the time. Yeah, I just, I love to listen to music all the time. Like, that's one of my favorite things to do. It makes everything go faster for me and, and easier. There are times when I I can say that's true. Like I love like like when I was in school. Like for example, when I was writing um, my like senior honors thesis, I would always listen to music while I was writing, and I had certain songs that I listened to. Like that's something that I do that dr- that drives you crazy though. What just listen? I like to, to listen, songs? or I can listen to the same song over and over again on a loop. I can listen to that, but most of the songs you listen to on a loop, I don't want to listen to. On a loop. But some songs, it's like I don't even necessarily like them, 
but they just feel right at the time. Like when I was writing my thesis, there were a couple songs that I would listen to just over and over again, sometimes while writing for hours. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even songs that I necessarily love. They just had the right energy to kind of kind of keep me going and keep my flow going at the time. Wow. So I mean, I just maybe I just listen to music in a different way than you do. Also possible. <laughs> and we just we do have somewhat overlapping but very different taste in music. Like sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think in some ways though, I can tell you're gonna be super mad when I say this, but I think my musical taste is more evolving with the times than yours is. Because right, I like I'm definitely stuck in in the past. Whereas I love a lot of music from the past, but I also feel like there's a lot of songs that I like now that you don't really like, and more like styles of music that I'm into that don't do anything for you. Definitely, that's definitely true. Well, I just feel like there's been so much that I don't even know about the history of music that's already happened. That, like, who has time for a new trend or whatever? And most of the trends I see, they're just, like, recycled and whatever's new is, like, ugh, it's not even good. Part of it, though, maybe... I'm sure it's just becoming old. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think part of it might have to do with our taste in TV, though, somewhat, because I watch a lot more, like kind of like teen soap type of show. Those are launching pads for Those are launching pads for music. Songs a lot of times. So. And so not only will I hear certain songs that mm. maybe you just wouldn't hear otherwise, but also sometimes you become I I've become fond of certain songs because of when they played in, you know, a TV series, you mm. know, important things are happening to the characters and a song that really goes well with the situation plays and then that song kind of imprints on you and you like it. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably happened to me with some of the more new music that I like, and then that hasn't really happened with you as much because it's mostly with shows that I watch, not with you. Mm-hmm. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Um, but going back to kind of, we've kind of diverged. Going back to, I don't know what other questions you had about like the timeline because like, you said you talked all. Oh well, I I only talked about like her t- hearing tests. I talked about that how they put those things over the years. I didn't didn't get to see that. Yeah, and you see, you went to all the tests, and I was just kind of chilling in the room yeah. when all that was happening. That's so true. I don't really have much to add on those parts. I mean, I was yeah. pretty much just hanging out, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the birth is the most exciting. Yeah, part. yeah, I feel like this is a pretty lackluster part of the conversation. I will say that I was really scared to stay in the hospital by myself, and then I ended up not minding. Well, the first night. Well, she stayed up with you the first or the second night. Was it the second night or the first night that she was like? She was pretty up the second night. Well, but the first night, um, I had my sister come and stay, mm-hmm. which was really nice because I think I would have been kind of freaked out to be by myself. But the second night, I just stayed by myself, and I had been really kind of feeling sad about it. But I ended up being fine. Well, um, and both times, he uh, came back to the, here with me, and he was... Oh, and by he, you mean our, our, our son. Our son, yeah, sorry. Our son was, like, totally, like, just so tired, and, like, every night. But it was, it was a big experience for him, so I understand why he was so tired. <laughs> was and it was really difficult i mean i'm sure it was difficult for him i know it was difficult for me being away from him because we've been that was the first time i'd ever actually spent a night away from him before Mm -hmm. um we've been you know pretty close pretty close friends these last couple years Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so that was you know part of the experience for me was you know being away from him really for the first time um but i think you know 
I think he did well, and I think I did okay with it too, so, mm -hmm. you know. But, you know. But yeah, I feel like the timeline is getting pretty boring at this point. We're just kind of lounging in the hospital now. You know, but... But that's good. I'm glad we had our eventful recovery period that was relatively quick in the hospital that we got out right on time. And yeah, I mean, once she, like... to stay in, the, like, NICU or anything, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was really nice. I mean, she came out fast, and then, you know, we... Nothing was really, like, went wrong while we were there. Because that's, you know, a scary time, because that is... You're talking about timelines. You see, I mean, sometimes you're in the NICU. You don't know when you're coming home. Like they don't give yeah, you. Yeah, and that would be really awful. Know, was, just yeah, that was one of my fears. Is that you know, I just wanted it to go as smoothly as possible for that reason. As I just wanted it to like, okay, let's do this. Let's get out of the hospital. Let's get home. Let's get settled into our house and our lives, and and not yeah. have this be a thing where it's like we're at the hospital and we're not leaving the hospital and that's definitely i mean just to to make it home safely mm -hmm. you know with everybody you know healthy and you know doing as well as you could expect mm -hmm. that is really what you want yeah and i know a lot of like people have that as part of their experience and like i think it's built into the experience if you're gonna have like twins or a preemie or like any kind of, you know that that that's that's something that you're you don't have a choice you're you're going yeah. through it you're, but even you know, sometimes then. even sometimes when everything seems like it's gone right you know the mother or the baby can just have some kind of a problem mm -hmm. post delivery you know there could be you know the mother could have some kind of you know hemorrhaging or something or the baby mm -hmm. could have you know any number of issues could arise mm -hmm. so so yeah i mean it's like you don't you don't know if things are gonna, you know, everything's gonna go well and everything. So it is really relieving when, you know, you're released, you can just go back to your house. It's kind of like, okay, so, you know, so far so good. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But is there anything else I didn't ask you about? Not about the birth. I mean, I feel like we were gonna talk about breastfeeding, but this conversation's gone on for so long. I don't know if we should say oh, that no. for another. Oh, do you wanna say, is there anything you wanna say about it? I think, well, I think you've done really well this time, and she has too. Well, I guess just I felt like it was pertinent because um, as we were talking about kind of comparing and contrasting, mm -hmm. um, you know, the C-section birth and the VBAC, we've also kind of, mm -hmm. you know, a big part of both birth stories was breastfeeding for us. Because, I mean, and even if you don't breastfeed, how you are going to feed your newborn is going to be a big part of your story. Mm -hmm. um, and I was always, you know, I was excited before to breastfeed it was always something I assumed I would do. And then the first time it ended up being a lot harder than I had expected. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did end up breastfeeding for, um, two and a half years mm -hmm. with the first time around, um, which was longer even than my goal had been. And that's just sort of what ended up happening. But for a good portion of that time, it was, or at least for the first year plus it was a really difficult grueling kind of all consuming this time it has been going better i think partially because i have a better idea of what i'm doing and partially because i'm i think more open to trying different things because i think going into my first breastfeeding experience i really bought into the idea that to make the breastfeeding successful, mm -hmm. you just have to be like, I'm absolutely doing this and let nothing stand in your way and don't succumb to anything that might somehow throw you off course. Mm -hmm. 
And maybe that's why, you know, I ended up breastfeeding for so long. So I guess that worked ultimately. <laughs> but it also took a huge toll mm-hmm. on our lives and on me just emotionally and personally and physically. And was in a lot of ways really awful. Um, whereas this time, I, well, mean, I think it was very frustrating for me, at least I know this probably happened to you to explain to people how grueling that was, because I, I know that people were sympathetic. So insofar as your new parents, you weren't, you were childless. Now you have a kid. I felt like they were sympathetic in that way, but I don't think people knew just how hard that whole experience was for well, us. And I, I, I felt like not unsupported, but I just felt people, like people underestimate or belittle, I think. When you try to explain the problems you're having, people don't really understand. Like, okay, to kind of give a little bit of background, with our first um, newborn, we had several different issues that made... uh, Basically, it was a situation where it was feeding constantly. And when you say, you know, my baby's feeding constantly, people think you're talking about cluster feeding where it's like, for a few hours, he was on and off the breast or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, he feeds every hour and it's so hard because I can never get anything. And when I say constantly, I mean constantly, like all the time. And when he wasn't doing that, he was mostly crying, which I mean, he didn't cry a lot only because I just would feed him constantly, but he pretty much just cried otherwise. Um, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't really let you hold him. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, like, it wasn't like, I couldn't get a break. He was never satisfied. Never satisfied, never felt good. Um, didn't sleep very much. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we were uncomfortable and he was uncomfortable. And and I think that we missed out on a lot of the joyful parts of having a newborn. Because even though having a newborn, I think, can be difficult, I think there's a lot of enjoyment that we didn't really get to partake in because we were just, Mm -hmm. it was just that intense, horrible experience that people really didn't really understand when we tried to. It's the kind of thing where you kind of try to ask for help, but people don't really understand how bad Mm -hmm. it is. And so they can't really help you. You see other people having this like quote unquote normal experience and you're having a very not normal experience and you're just like, why? Am I not able to enjoy this like other people are able to enjoy this, you know? Exactly. And it makes me sad in some ways because, I mean, I think that we missed out on so much in those early early times Mm -hmm. that I'm hoping that this time we're getting... And already, already I feel like we've experienced things. Oh, I feel like we've had great success where we struggled so hard. Things that I think other people maybe take for granted, like, I mean, just you just holding her and her looking at you and smiling and Mm -hmm. things like that that... I feel like hardly we hardly got to Although have that. Although she did say no to me. She did. I swear she can already talk. I I, I heard it too. I heard it. Literally, I, what what was it that you were doing? I don't remember. She was just like no. <laughs> I think I think she just wanted to eat or something, and you hadn't made it back to the breast yet. Yeah. I think maybe you were trying to put like a shirt on her or something, and it was like no. Yeah, she just wasn't having it. So. But no, I just I feel like. In some ways, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to make it sound like for our son that we just didn't enjoy having him as a baby, because that's not true at all. We had so wanted to be parents, and we were so overjoyed to have him and value him so much. And he's been a really fun toddler, too. Like, I know a lot of people have struggles with, you know, they're sad when they don't have an infant anymore. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, no, I have a toddler. And they're like, 
so upset. And honestly... I feel like he's gotten more fun over time, actually. I feel like he's the brightest star in the universe. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, he's so much fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, we still have those toddler challenges, Mm -hmm. you know, that I think the pretty normal ones. But um, I think that the toddlerhood has been so much more enjoyable. Definitely. You know, because I think maybe because the breastfeeding is finally over. And and towards the end of breastfeeding, it was okay, too, because we'd finally gotten a lot of issues worked out, you know, but, mm. but this time, like I was saying, it's been going better. I think partially cause I know what I'm doing more. Cause mm. I mean, I've, I've done it so much already that I've learned mm. so much more was the first time I didn't know what I was doing going into it. Mm-hmm. And also cause we're more flexible. Like this time we have ended up supplementing a little bit, um, which the first time I think I was so against, absolutely against it. I was willing to do anything in the world, but ever supplement. Mm. And this time, I think that actually supplementing just a tiny bit has has been what's allowed us to get on top of some problems that were starting to crop up and feel like we're handling them now and we're headed in a good direction instead of, at this point last time, things were really like going downhill. Well, and it's just like that little difference between being satisfied and never being satisfied. Like, I feel like the reason she lets me hold her and the reason she does, you know, sleep uh, and seem content is that she's not, there's not that yearning. She's not starving to death constantly. Yes, exactly. So it's like... I'm hesitant to try to describe, you know, everything about our situation because there were several different factors mm -hmm. that led to things being so difficult with the feeding situation Mm -hmm. the first time. And so it was hard to resolve because we had to resolve several different factors. Mm -hmm. Whereas this time, I think some of the factors might not be present and other factors, if they are, were getting on top of them. Instead of just desperately hoping that they'll somehow resolve themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because, um, well, that's the thing is that I think when you start out breastfeeding, it's going to be hard, you know, just to get going. And so when you say, you know, it's difficult, people always tell you, oh, but there's a turning point at three weeks or six weeks or eight weeks or just keep going. And so the first time I just kind of kept thinking, okay just counting the days and the minutes and the hours thinking I can just hold out. And then, you know, after eight weeks, surely this will get better. And then after three months, surely this will get better. And then maybe at six months and then maybe when he starts Mm -hmm. solid foods, whereas this time I kind of was like, okay, if things aren't going well, we're just going to explore our options until we figure out how to make things be going well. Mm -hmm. And I wish I'd been so proactive before. Um, And this time I'm pumping more. Mm-hmm. This last time I tried to pump some and it was kind of a big failure. Mm-hmm. But you seem like you've been way more successful this time partially because we have, as we discussed before, a better pump. We have a much better pump, which that makes a huge difference. Um, both times I've gotten a pump through insurance, but for whatever reason I was able to get a pump that I think is just a lot better than the pump I was able to get the first time. Um, so I think that's making a huge difference. And I also think... Just wait till it starts. The first time, too, I felt like I I never felt like I could pump because, um, like, you know, as I just mentioned, he was kind of on me all the time. So the only way I could pump was to pump one side while he was feeding from the other side. And that's a pretty cumbersome situation. Um, whereas I think... Allowing ourselves to do 
a little bit of formula supplementation allowed us to get her to be comfortable long enough for me to pump so I could start pumping enough milk that we can then, you know, start supplementing with the breast milk. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, a huge difference there where it's like, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think we're just doing a better job of, you know, getting on top of the situation and it's going better. And I mean, we're only a week into it, so, you know, but I'm very optimistic. Yeah, definitely. I'm feeling good about it, too. So, is there anything else I didn't ask you about? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we talked for a long time, and I hope it wasn't, like, too, just, like, <laughs> us just being, like, blah, 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 and this <laughs> happened, and then on my eighth contraction, I was like, <laughs> perhaps I should no, go I mean, for a walk. You're the one that watches um, all these YouTube videos of people describing their experience. So, I do, I mean, you know. but I hope I've described it enough. Like, have I... I hope I haven't just sort of vaguely but long-windedly described it. Like, I hope I've given enough interesting details. Well, no, I, 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 I like you, like you'll hear when I, you actually do listen to my episode. I did, I did try to leave certain details to the imagination to see what you would Sure. Well, there are some say, things that so. I feel like, I mean, I'm in some ways a somewhat private person. So. Which is interesting because you're more open about certain things than some people would ever be that I would say. <laughs> like what? I don't know. I don't know. Like, like, like. I don't think people would have would have uh, necessarily felt uh, sharing the details that we shared of, of your birth, your, both both your birth experiences were were for public consumption. I didn't really feel like we shared any like graphic details, though. Did no, we? I'm not saying we were graphic. I felt like we kept. I'm it trying to describe deep. our like maybe I'm thinking about maybe like our parents' generation is talking about. What oh, happened. maybe, but I mean, I I felt like I mean I I purposefully didn't really share anything that I consider to be like a graphic detail. That's true. Maybe I, it's hard for me to, to to know what you've said and what I've seen. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I think you're I've just seen, seen it all. You've, you've seen there's images I've seen in your it mind. all both times. But I just, him and her both C-section be back. And, I've and seen, you saw it all in very interesting I ways. Saw, I mean, with the C-section, you saw yeah. like my in my innards, like my guts. You saw like from was it angles. like intestines? Like oh, what yeah. kind of just. Yeah. I saw the whole deal. So, I mean, that's, like, one kind of seeing it all. And, of course, you know, you saw everything that everyone can imagine you saw with this one. So, yeah. You know, but I think we... I don't think we've really said much. I mean, people can imagine... I've popped... I, I've, seen, I've seen the hood popped. I've seen... I've seen... I've wheeled underneath the car and seen it from that angle. So, I've seen both angles. <laughs> to use a car analogy. But, um... Yeah. So... Um... Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think it was probably informative, you know, because I mean, people want people want to know about that kind of stuff, and I'm glad that we got such a varied experience. Yeah, like even though the first experience wasn't my first choice, I'm now kind of happy that I can have had both experiences and compare them. Even though you know, I still would say you know having the C-section was not ideal. Mm -hmm. It's it has given me interesting perspective to have you know had both experiences you sound like you're more sympathetic to other people's experiences just in a way that you wouldn't have been before because you've seen it from both sides now i think so for sure and i mean i'm sure this is true not just about giving birth but about a lot of things where it's kind of like hot button issues about like the choices people make about how they're going to do something where before you've ever done it it's easy to have a really set opinion on mm -hmm. absolutely what the right thing is mm-hmm and then once you've actually maybe had the experience, hopefully part of what you learn is just that everyone has such a different set of what they need and what they want and what's good for one person and what's right mm -hmm. that it's hard to be too, you know, 
we shouldn't be too judgmental, you know, like, like, I feel like there are people that have elective C-sections hmm. and it might be easy to be judgmental of that because it's like, oh, it's an unnecessary surgery and why wouldn't you want to have a natural birth and blah, blah, blah. But I think there are valid reasons why someone might choose that, like mm-hmm. either physically or emotionally or mentally, you know. And so I think I think that's the thing that – and I'm uh, by no means have I mastered this, but I think one of the biggest things I try to work on with myself is just – really pausing before I'm too judgmental of other people's choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really realizing that, you know, everyone has such a different set of, you know, things that they're bringing to the table that that makes different things right for different people. Mm-hmm. And really just focusing on trying to work on myself more than judging other people for their, whatever they're doing, you know? Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you for being so open and sharing so much. Sir, I mean, I don't really feel like I shared that much. Though. I feel like... Did I? I feel like you did. Hopefully not too much. <laughs> I wasn't, trying to, wasn't trying to pop the hood for everyone, but you know. I feel like um, it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I've shared enough because, yeah, you're right. I do like listening to other people's birth stories and knowing, you know, what happened. Or well, what and, like. you know, I've talked about this on this podcast before, but it's like the more specific you are, the more relatable it is to people, I feel like, a lot of times. Oh, for sure. It's like experiences that, small experiences that you have that you think you're the only one, like that, well, I feel like a lot of people feel that way about a lot of things, so. But yeah, and it's, it, that is interesting because, I mean, so many people give birth. It is amazing to yet. think how many people, like, I'm always interested to hear, like, how many people, like, when they, when they do obituaries and stuff, like, like, think about this, like, you know, we have two kids now. When we are, like, to the age of, like, when I see in the, in the survived by, like, they get down to the great grace and it's, like, 78, great grace. He's, like, yeah. these people are going to, like, you know, take over the world. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, not to, to put too much pressure on them, but. It's getting near dinner time. People are getting antsy. Yeah. So. yeah, we should probably we should probably wrap this up. But um. and the tears of our son will lead us out. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, right. uh, thank you for being on again. I appreciate sure. it. <laughs>
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.